Tiffany's at midnight. Do I go for the vault? No, I go for the chandelier. It's priceless. As I'm taking it down, a woman catches me. She tells me to stop. It's her business. She's Tiffany. I say no. We make love all night. In the morning, the cops come and I escape with one of their uniforms. I tell her to meet me in Mexico, but I go to Canada. I don't trust her. Besides, I like the cold. 30 years later, I get a postcard. I have a son and he's the chief of police. This is where the story gets interesting. I tell Tiffany to meet me in Paris by the Trocadero. She's been waiting for me for all these years. She's never taken another lover. I don't care. I don't show up. I go to Berlin. That's where I stored the chandelier. I'm David. I'm Mitchell. And I can't take my eyes off the fact that Dave's peeling fucking potatoes while we're doing an episode. While we're tasking. They say it can't be done. Oh, I'm doing it right now. And that's why, in about 10 minutes, you're going to hear, ah! when he cuts his finger yeah. off, because he's not watching that's what not, he's doing. That's not going to happen. I've been, I'm a pro at doing this now. I could, I could peel potatoes. You know, do that in the army. They just get you to peel loads and loads of potatoes. I'd rather do that than shoot people. I've not been in the army. I'd rather peel potatoes to shoot people. Well, yeah, it's a lot easier to peel potatoes than to shoot someone. Do you get like a purple spud instead of a purple heart? You peel certain amount of potatoes. <laughs> yeah, maybe you do. Yeah, purple potatoes. <laughs> well, let us know smudge. if you are in the army and you've peeled bare potatoes and you've got the purple spud. Let us know on our socials at Wait What Pod Trio on the Twitter, and we have a YouTube channel there. Wait What Podcast, many stuffs. It's delightful. If I've fixed it now as well, so if you do actually search Wait What Podcast, no spaces, you will find it a lot easier. See, I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy when I want to be. Yeah, we got our latest idle chats on there. Did a lot of editing, so you know, go and watch it. Otherwise, I wasted my time, like most other things. Silence. Is that it? Is that it? Much. Well, no. no, Well, no. There's nothing else on there. We haven't done anything. We haven't done anything new. Not really. No. I mean. Is there anything being put on TikTok? That'd be silly. You don't want to cuss out Anchor? Ah, it's wasting my breath, man. <laughs> it's fucking stupid. Take away the money that we earned <clears throat> and then told us that we're not we don't qualify for it. Well, why give it to us in the fucking first place? <laughs> then I tried to change then I tried to change um distributor. And then that fucked it all up. And then I had to go back to Anchor and be like, can we come back to Anchor, please? Maybe look like a right dickhead. <laughs> and we're still not sorted out on Apple. Like, you can't find the latest like two episodes because some reason it ain't updating on Apple. Spotify and Google are fine. Good pods well, are fine. Spotify is the main thing, I think. Most people listen to the podcast on Spotify. Well, out yeah. of the, well, to be fair, I listen to I use Apple Podcasts mainly because I have an iPhone. But people that don't have iPhones who are stupid, 
um, would you Spotify or Google <laughs> Podcast? Yeah, Google Podcast is what I use, yeah. I tried using it. I can't get on with it. I don't even, I don't even like Spotify. Spotify's weird. Podcasts. I don't like the layout. It's the same as any music player, isn't it? I, I've, I've started using Apple Music because I get it for free with my phone. I use Apple, I use Apple Music. It's it's not that great, I'll be honest. Really? Compared I like to... I, do you know what? I compared with Spotify. Like, There's so many like different... like. It's easy to find the radio stations and like you can go to like a specific song. For example, I've been on a Tenacious D kick lately. So it will be a Tenacious D radio where it won't just be the D. It will be other things that sound like it that I've maybe not have heard before. It's like harder to DGs. find that. Yeah, the DGs. Um, mm. But it's, I don't know. I think I prefer Apple Music is good if you've got the music you want in your playlist. Yes, fine. But if you just want to whack something on or let it go, Spotify is better. Did you have an iTunes library? Uh, library. Yes. I yes, I did. I did. My iTunes library went from iTunes, obviously, to Apple Music. So that's one of the oh, reasons wow. why I like it. So, yeah. yeah. I've got Yours songs must have some OG, some OG yeah. shit, man. <laughs> I've got songs that I listened to back when I was like 14, 15. Oh, oh man. I do that. I've, I've, but... Where I've just started it again, like I've gone on to my... Um, it's got nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but fuck it. It's a good it's good it's a good conversation, bollocks. I've literally gone onto my um, my library and I've copied over what I had on my Spotify and I've been trying to find stuff that I was listening to years ago that I don't really listen to anymore. And then it was like, Oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. I remember, and it just one after the other. I re- rediscovered all the Mac Miller songs that I'd forgotten about. I've rediscovered all the old Sort of like old WWE pay per view music, I like to call it. Your your Auto Bridge, uh, your um, what is it? Adelaide, Adelaide's Way, Adelaide's Way, Adelaide's Way. Yeah, see, see, Finger Eleven, Finger Eleven, Three Days Grace. You know, yeah. Back when wrestling pay per view music was was some heavy shit, the good shit, like all that sort of stuff. And nah, man, I would say if you want, um. You want it for music that you actually have in your playlist? Yeah, Apple's fine. But you want like a radio and some shit? Nah, man. Spotify's better. It is better. Do you remember Deezer? Do you remember that piece of shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Deezer. There was always Deezer. like an app that came with every like smartphone at the beginning. Deezer sucked. You play it was like Spotify before you because Spotify Premium. You don't have ads. But Spotify, normally, if you get it for free, you got to listen to an ad every five songs, and you can't skip. Yeah, yeah Apple Music's there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, Spotify, for your music. But go listen to us on Spotify. Exactly. Well, yeah. Uh, as Liam mentioned, we are talk- not talking about just random things that come to our head. We have got a uh, a little kind of topic today. Although music um, is, well, the music episode would be good soon. We haven't done one for a while. That would be a good idea. Maybe save that one for the live. Oh, what live? You know, it might be a good idea if we said what the best song was of every artist alphabetically. I think I would I think I would rather peel my eyelids off with a rusty spatula. You know, we did the best songs from the artists. 
no, 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 because I will want to unalive very quickly. No. Fair enough. No. Speaking of unaliving very quickly, these people were doing their best to make sure that they weren't unalived anymore. Segway. That was my segue. So, um, yeah, uh, a story virtually hit the news like, uh, well, beginning of last week, probably it's probably just at the end of last week, where I saw it and I was like, oh, it's awesome. Uh, and it was this Amazon jungle man survives 31 days by eating worms. A Bolivian man had described how he managed to survive for 31 days in the Amazon jungle after he got lost. Uh, so he got this man, uh, he's. His name's name's Jonathan. I'm just going to call him Jonathan. His name's Jonathan Acosta, and he got separated from his four friends while hunting in northern Bolivia. He says he drank rainwater collected in his shoes, ate worms and insects while hiding from jaguars and peccaries, a type of pig-like mammal. Um, And he was finally found by a search party made up of locals and friends a month after he had gone missing. I got worms. (laughs) <laughs> he did have he did have worms. Um, I believe he probably drank his, his own piss. That's what you normally do when you are in a survival situation. Yep, insert Bear grills. <sighs> yep. Um, but yeah, I mean... Well, well for it. Bear grills, it's any situation. Hmm, my electricity is run out. Time to drink my piss. <laughs> yes, we're out of uh, milk. Oh, I better drink my own piss. <laughs> so yeah, um, this, uh, this gentleman managed to do something which uh, a lot of us would like just fold immediately if you can't possibly I would be fuck there's no cola max in the jungle I'll tell you that <laughs> there is not um and it's like if you don't like insects or anything like that you've got to be not sleeping on the floor and shit and you've got to like obviously find shelter and water and you've got to build a fire and you could, the, the animal situation obviously in the Amazon jungle is uh is worrying as well so yeah it's uh, it's not ideal, especially at night. That's going to be the worst time because that's obviously when all like the big things come out to harm. So, yeah, no thanks. Yeah, no thanks. So, yeah. after seeing this story, um, I found an article of people who survived things that sound pretty freaking unsurvivable. It's a BuzzFeed article. We do love these on the Weight World podcast. Yeah, well, it's people that dodge the bullet. They dodge bullets, basically. The proverbial yeah. bullet. Yeah, people being heroes, and uh, in some cases, just or in some cases, just being extremely fortuitous, just being extremely lucky that they managed to survive these incredible situations. Lucky bastards, indeed. So yeah, we're going to go through, react to them, um, and uh, we'll see what uh, make, see what we make got. fun of, make fun of them because they didn't <laughs> die. Fun. Because they, didn't, they die. didn't die. So it's no. funny. It is. So yeah, uh, I'm going to peel my first potato. So if you guys uh, want to start, I'll, ha- I'll happily react. Potato ASMR. I nearly said A-A-M-S-R. Do you want to go first, Liam? Yeah, as soon as I've got the list up in front of me. Oh, I thought I said Vecna. So it was the upside down. <laughs> it's not far off. Vesna Vulovic. Or Vulovic. We're talking Czechoslovakia, so could be either. Uh, a flight attendant who was a sole survivor of the 1972 crash of a JAT flight 367 holds a Guinness World Record for surviving the longest freefall 
without a parachute. How high do you think it was? Well, I know because I can see the argument. Yeah. <laughs> you two are pricks because you didn't even just play along. Didn't even just play along. Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe 30,000. Oh, hmm. That was close. Mm. That's uh, 30. It's 33,000. <laughs> yes, yes, I can see that. I'm reading. <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, that's a long old fucking way. I fall over getting out of bed and I'd hurt myself big time. I'd be like, fuck, I'm done. Well, it's the thing about us as human beings. Like, we have we such suck. fragile heads. Yeah, we have such fragile heads that even if you like fall like three or four feet straight onto the top of your head, you're done pretty much. Cream neck. Cream crackered. Yeah, exactly. Also, where so by the sounds of it, uh, explosives were detonated in the plane's luggage compartment, and it broke apart above. A um, broke apart midair above Czechoslovakia. The other passengers were most likely sucked outside, but Vulovic stayed That's in like the fuselage. 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 Is that fus- fuselage? Fuselage. Yeah. fuselage. Oh, la di da. Uh, wedged in by a food cart. As it fell onto the ground. So food saved her. So she was like basically wedged between the plane and the food cart as the plane crashed. Pretty much. Um, that still does. I don't think she got out of that like, like completely on Oh, no, no. We're going to get there. <clears throat> the trees and snow probably helped cushion his fall. And against all odds, she survived. The only one of 28 pastures and crew to do so. Her injuries included broken legs and vertebrae, a fractured skull, and temporary <laughs> paralysis. She was Damn. also comatose for part of her recovery. Damn. Less than a year after she was able to walk, she had no memory of the flight after boarding, though her first memory was seeing her parents in the hospital. Remarkably, she continued flying and even tried to get her old job back as a flight attendant. Tried. Even though they tried, the airline declined on the basis of her health. She speculated that they didn't want so much publicity about the accident. She also disagreed, disagreed when people referred to her as lucky, pointing out if she were true, she never would have had the accident. And she died in 2016 at the age of 66. Not that lucky. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so, no, it was a food cart. Hold on. She, she tried to get her old job back and they said no on the basis yeah. of her health. Well, I'm assuming I'm assu- yeah, but I'm assuming she would have had some uh, some long-lasting health issues, considering that she broke her legs, a vertebrae in her back, uh, fractured her skull, and was temporarily paralysed and comatosed. Do you reckon she would have had PTSD too? Well, I mean, I don't know. She tried to get a job back, and she carried on going on planes, so probably yeah, not. Yeah, she carried on going on planes. She's probably all right, but I mean. But- they're like, oh, no, aren't you scared of going on the plane? She's like, no, nah, fuck it, I'm double odd. Well, yeah, she's trying to get her old job back. So. Yeah, so I'm odd, mate. I don't need... Just, what? Plane crash? I'm completed, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty positive. I mean, like, imagine, like, if you... Were, mate, if uh, I was in a plane uh, crash, I'd never get on a plane again. I ain't even gonna lie. Yeah. If you were, like, a lion tamer, and the lion suddenly switched and attacked you, and you managed to survive, like, would you get back in the, in the cage with the lions? Hell no. If I was in a car crash, I wouldn't even want to be back in the car. I've been in multiple of those, and I still want to get in a car. Oh, uh, don't, don't surprise me with you. You've been in multiple lion cages or multiple cars? Cars. Honestly, <laughs> Eva wouldn't. Eva wouldn't surprise me with you. I mean, I, 
I suppose like you know your stunt riders like your evil Knievels and stuff they kind of like do they crash hard break every bone in their body and get back on their bike and start doing jumps again but they're a different breed of metal yeah stupid <laughs> what if evil Knievel will come up I haven't actually read through this article other than that first one no you just read the first one to ruin my thing <coughs> yeah cool cheers Well, he's, still, he's, he's still peeling <laughs> potatoes, Mitch. Oh, okay. Um, this one is Dr. Julianne Diller was only 17 when she fell almost two miles into the rainforest following the breakup of an aeroplane she was travelling in with her mother on Christmas Eve. She was the sole survivor. Wait, hold on. So, she was two miles. Uh, that is definitely a lot more than 33,000 feet. Was she in the plane when she fell? Yeah, because the plane broke apart as... I'm guessing it was two miles over the rainforest. Oh, right. So she fell... So she fell... So she fell... So it would have been in two miles into it. So from the the entrance of the jungle, she was two miles a walk. I see. I see. That's a fair walk. What's the the story? Apparently, the plane was struck on the wing by lightning. And her mother turned to her and calmly remarked, now it's all over. <laughs> Thanks, Mum. <laughs> think it's all over, but it is now. I thought lightning's hit planes. Like I thought that could happen, but it wouldn't result in the plane going down. Well, it was in 1971. True. That's a good point. Maybe they're a lot better now. They were made of recycled uh, Heinz beans cans. Ah, right. And, yeah. and, and sellotape. And copper, lots and lots of copper. Wow. So it says Dilla plummeted to the ground, still strapped into her seat, and she regained consciousness on Christmas morning with a broken collarbone, a sprained knee, and gashes on her right shoulder and left calf. One eye swollen shut, and her field of vision with in the other narrow slit. Merry fucking Christmas. Jesus <laughs> Christ. For 11 days, she walked through the Amazon. Oh, so she, into New Year then? Yeah. <laughs> so, she, so, so she literally she was, walked, uh, she walked she was all year. Yeah. She was ultimately discovered by forest workers who fed her and poured gasoline into her open wounds to flush out the maggots. Oh. Oh. That is... That is imagine, imagine petrol on an open wound. Did it say how old she was at the time? Yeah, 17. 17. Okay, so that's, yeah. I mean, it's pretty, still pretty hardcore. I was thinking it might have been younger, but still, 17 is like, still young. She was on her own as well because everyone else died. Even well, yeah, exactly. Life. I mean, she uh, it was 11 days she walked through the jungle, so she was obviously able to survive and drink in her own piss. And well, it's not, it's, and, it's with, not a broken, <laughs> with a broken collarbone and a sprained knee. Well, it's not, yeah. it's not just any, any jungle, it's the Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. The Amazon, the Amazon is a jungle. Ask anyone that works there. It's all robots. Hmm. Work 15 hours. What do you get? You get a sprained knee <laughs> from falling out of a plane. Paris tried to tell you to. Paris healing. <laughs> That's mad. Yeah. Um, what's, 
I mean, she, she obviously survived the situation. Then after yeah, she today, um, she dedicated her life to where was it called? She would dedicate her life for something meaningful. Her last work became the preservation of Panguna, Panguana, which, Panguana. Actually, which she more. has protected and expanded throughout the years. Today, Dilla continues her ec ecological preservation work and still goes on expeditions. Well, good for her. I mean, she sounds pretty. She sounds pretty hardcore. Yeah. It's a shame that the mother's last words to her is over now. Now it's over. Now it's all over. <laughs> it should have been they think it's all over. Well, it is now. When they, when she hit the floor, it is now. <laughs> well, it was. It was all over there, all over there. <laughs> that was the uh, place, not the people. Mm. Okay, so. This one, uh, Salvatore, Salvador. Alvarenga, a 36-year-old fisherman, survived 14 months lost oh. at sea and washed ashore nearly 7,000 miles from where he originally sets out. Fucking hell, he's either a really good survivor, a good, a good survivor, or he's a shit fisherman. <laughs> maybe, that was, maybe that's what it was. Uh. Just couldn't find any fish for that long. <laughs> so, in 2012... Alvarenga and his 22-year-old companion, Ezequiel Cordova, got caught in a severe storm while attempting to head back to the coast of Mexico after a fishing trip. Their boat was 25 feet long and virtually invisible at sea. So, nice. 25, feet may, 25 feet may seem big, but for a ship, it definitely ain't, is it? That's a boat. That ain't a ship. That's a boat. Um, so, Alvarenga's last words to shore before going missing were... Come now, I'm really getting fucked out here. <laughs> Come now. Come now. I like the thing he's arguing with people. It's just like, look at that shitty boat that you give me. 25 feet. I was supposed to go out of there. I'm really getting fucked out here. So the engine, the engine had just failed and the waves were pushing them further and further into the open water. Oh, okay, so that was obviously them trying to get back and the storm was hitting them, so there must have been radioing people saying, oh, fucking, we can't get back in the boat because of the yeah. storm that had been pushed out over water because the engine had failed. Uh, the pair caught fish and seabirds by hand, sometimes drying the meat and sometimes consuming it raw. Oh. They, worked at, they worked out a system to collect rainwater. However, two months into their ordeal, Cordova sunk into a depression, stopped accepting food and water and died soon afterwards. Avarenga was devastated to lose his only company, and he spoke to Cordova's corpse as he was still alive six days before burying him at sea. Wouldn't you eat him? Yeah. No, <laughs> I would, yes, I would. But, uh, yeah. You got surf and turf there. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. There's a Wilson situation there, weren't it? So it was yeah. Cordova. Doesn't have um, the same ring to it, does it? God, <laughs> Um, I mean, that's only two months in. He survived for full. He survived another year after this. Like, it must have been nice when it when it was first of all. I say nice. They had the little <laughs> system for rainwater and stuff. It would have been helpful having mm. the second person there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, then he. I said he survives for another year on his own. Uh, and spoke to spoke to the corpse of his life for six days. It was probably at the point where it started to smell. It was just like, 
yeah, I can't go on. Well, I'd probably <laughs> say the probably the birds probably started to uh, to attack it because they yeah, would. I should have cooked that a couple of days ago. It's gone bad. Yeah, now. yeah, should have cut off some pieces. Yeah. Probably so anyway, Alvarenga staved off despair with his vivid imagination, apparently. And after 438 days at sea, he spotted land and landed on the Ebon Atoll, where Emmy Libokmito and Russell Leigh Kidrick discovered him staring at their vacation house. <laughs> they struggled to communicate with Avarenga drawing a tent is trying to draw his situation using stick figures. Okay, so he's on the beach, I'm guessing. He's trying to draw what yeah. happens using stick figures. Um but help was summoned, and after 11 days of hospital hospitalization, he was cleared to return home to El Salvador. Wow. So, yeah. That's, um, that's that's nuts. I don't know where Ebon at all is. I'll tell, you right, I'll tell you right now. You got you know the spelling. E-B-O-N. Yep, I'm looking at it right now. A-T-O-L-L. Just for anyone that is this thing. So he was he was trying to get into Mexico, so South like Central America. It is Marshall the South Island. Marshall, Marshall Island. Island. That's yeah. that's near Australia. North Pacific. Yeah. So he got pushed literally the other way around, like the Earth, pretty much. Well, in a year, yeah. Because if he was, because if he went the other way, he would have hit like Africa or Europe. So he went the yeah. He's off the. Direction. It's like it's closer to Papua New Guinea than it is Australia. But still, mate, in that whole kind of territory, Australia. Yeah, so from Mexico, mm. mate, he was bare <laughs> That's what I mean. Was it say like 7,000 miles away from where he originally set off? Like, that's crazy. And it must have been storms and stuff like that as well that would, would have been affected him. A year. <laughs> it took him a year in a small 25 foot boat. I mean, what a hero. I like. I wish there was more information about this vivid imagination that kept him, uh, kept him from saving off the despair. I'm trying to see how far it is by, uh, like, just in mileage. Google maps. Exactly, but map, <laughs> maps, maps don't give me no help. It's useless. That's <laughs> that's fucking bare far. Well, yeah. As I said, it took took a, took over a year. A tiny boat. To be fair though, that and seems no shit like that seems yeah, like a. That seems like a regularly straight, like a regular straightforward lost at sea story for any fisherman. Though I feel like they'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's happened to me before." Do you know what I mean? Seems like it's normal in that sort of uh, line of work. Well, well, like a like a tall story, like a fisherman's story, where they talk about how they caught a fish this big or something like that. You say, yeah. "Yeah, he got lost for he got lost for four hundred thirty eight days. I got lost for ten years." Pussy. Yeah. Apparently, Google Maps <laughs> can't find a lo- uh, find a way there. Oh, ask him. He fucking knows. He knows how to get there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know yes. This one do be quite famous. This one. When Aaron Ralston's arm was crushed by a boulder while he was climbing alone in Utah in 2003, and he went to extraordinary lengths to free himself. Have you gentlemen seen 127 Hours? I haven't actually seen the movie. I no. haven't seen you the know, movie. You know, about, know of it. Yeah. You know, know, know about the guy. This is this is the guy. All right, James Franco. <clears throat> yes, James Franco. Uh, this is the guy that pl- that uh, that plays James Franco. 
Um, well, James Franco plays this guy. No, this guy plays James Franco. Oh, does um, he? Yeah. <laughs> in everything, his life. Yeah, he no. plays he plays James not, Franco in real life. Not actually James Franco. So it was this guy that did all the dodgy shit that James Franco did. Not James Franco. Good, I could believe that. Now I could go back to watch a Pineapple Express in, in, in blissful ignorance. Now that was his. Uh, that was his tw- evil twin, Frames Janko. Frames Janko. Frames Janko. <laughs> Um, so for those who don't know who he is or what the film 127 Hours is about, um, <clears throat> so Aaron Ralston was climbing alone in Utah um, when a boulder crushed his right arm and trapped him between the wall and said boulder. He only had a litre of water, two burritos and a few chunks of chocolate along with headphones and a video camera. That's not a lot of... Uh, I like how he had burritos. Well, he probably would have had like snacks and stuff with him for his... He uh, wasn't his expecting to stay that long. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. He didn't pack an overnight bag. Ah, oh, two burritos, though. I hope they weren't heavy on the stomach. Mentioned Ian and so after. Oh, that's gone south quickly. Well, uh, well, this goes south very quickly. Um well, in 126 hours normally. Um, well, this is 127, it, so yeah. Well, the first hour would have obviously been consuming and panicking, <laughs> as you would expect. Screaming, screaming for help, the usual. Yeah, the usual stuff. Um, there was no hope of anyone finding him because he told no one where he was going. Uh, it was such a bleak situation that he used the camera to record his last will and testament. He's since shown the footage to his parents but he said he never will release it to the public. I wouldn't want the public to see that because you could imagine he would be quite distraught. He Actually, thinking about, it, thinking about it, depends on when so, he done it because he might have accepted it. Yeah, he would have been relaxed by then because he would have had been, to yeah. compose himself to be able to do what he did. I mean, it could have been too harrowing because if it was, why would you show it to your parents, the people that actually care about you? So... After failing to move or chip away at the boulder, he was forced to amputate his own arm with a blunt knife from his cheap multi-tool kit. At least it wasn't the attacker we used. On the sixth day, he completed his gruesome plan. It took him six days to cut his arm off. Amateur. I'm doing it. Do the math, do the math, do the math. That's more than 127 hours, is it? Yeah. Not, uh, it won't be the sixth day. It's the sixth Fifth. day. Don't forget, he wasn't doing it for 24 hours straight. I was going to say. So it won't be the sixth day. It says it here in black and white. On the sixth day, oh, right. he completed his gruesome plan. I'm not making it up, sir. I see. I see. So <clears> because he completes be right the ends. Because he yeah, completes yeah. the plan makes an improvised tourniquet, very fancy words today, and rappelled 65 feet down to escape. So he must have literally been like started pretty much straight away and was like, right, you know what? Fuck this hand. Fuck this arm. I'm out. He was found by Dutch tourists and picked up by a search and rescue helicopter. Yes, I know, the Dutch. (laughs) He has continued to be an avid outdoorsman, and in 2010, his then-wife gave birth to a baby boy, fulfilling a vision Rolston had while trapped with his young son asking him to play. 
Apparently, he also really liked the film and called it the best film ever made. Well, it's a film about him. Conceited much, God. Yeah, God. <laughs> Someone give him a round of applause. <laughs> I oh. mean, he with a blunt, yes, yeah, with a blunt knife. It's impressive. That, that's a that's that a pain. A, that's a pain threshold. That is. Yeah, because I mean, first, like you're just getting through like the kind of the skin, and then it's going to. Well, stink. the thing is, the moment it hits, it. the moment it hits the skin, that's it. It's going to hurt. And then you got to cut through the muscle, cutting through the bone. He would bone have saw. He would have to saw, literally sawed his arm off. That's fucked up. But then once you surely once you get a little way through the bone, then it'll just break like naturally with just the weight. Surely. No, because you've still got all your muscles and tendons. You'd have to have cut through the bone, snap the bone, and then cut through the muscle and tendons on the other side. Because <sighs> yeah, otherwise, it would have gone. You would have had to have sort of cut along. Along his arm, it had got to the bone. It had to have cut through the bone and then carried on cutting through the rest. Of, if he'd have started at the bottom and worked his way upwards or right to left, he would have started at the meatier part and finished where there's more bone. Because obviously, you got two, the two bones in your arm. They're Speaking quite. They're quite thin. On this, Liam. Well, yes, I, 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 I can name all the bones in the body. Oh, da. Yes, he knows. He knows the human body. I do know the human body, and that is not even a lie. I genuinely do. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, I'm educated. <laughs> He's educated. Yeah, bitch. I mean, yeah, that that first twenty four hours kind of thing, where you, there probably would have just been a lot of like, right, what can I do to get, what can I do to get out of this situation? It would have been a lot. Of, it have been a lot of tugging on the on his arm and the rock, a lot of trying to chip <laughs> the rock away. Uh, on another thing. And then at some point, it was just well, like, cut my arm. At some point, it must have just been like, cut my arm off. And then he went, no, okay, let's, let's fix something else. <laughs> so then, and he comes back, well, I could cut my arm off. No, there's got to be something else. <laughs> and it's just funny. Like, oh, I've got to cut my arm off, ain't I? How imagine, pissed. If funny, imagine if he finally got through to the muscle and then suddenly just heard like, people just nearby. No, imagine he cut, he cut his arm off, got free. As he pulled what was remaining of his arm away, the boulder just fell. <laughs> oh mate, I'd have been pissed. Wait a minute, this boulder's made of styrofoam. <laughs> Am I being punked? <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, that is not that is not fun. And uh yeah, I mean, like as I said, the, like to the point where like he was cutting his arm off. Like, man, I'm, man must have been like screaming and shit. How did no one hear him? I, had to put, I mean, he was in. The, I mean, if he was in Utah, they probably thought it was Jesus or something. <laughs> Joseph Smith. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Is there not Utah. many, uh, many religious um, people yes. that uh, frequent Utah? Mormons is in Utah. Yes, I know this from the uh, the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon. Hmm. Yes. Go on, Mitch. Um, this one is after a plane carrying a Uruguayan rugby team crashed in ah! a frigid and remote Andes mountain. What the survivors were forced to make terrible decisions in order to return home. Oh, you great. Are you a Uruguayan rugby team crashed? What's a bit, a bit insensitive, <laughs> no. sir? Is it, is it the Uruguayan? Is, was it Uruguayan or were they Argentinian? No, the Uruguayan. No, Uruguayan. I know where this is going and I've not even read it. I think finally, you're finally, finally getting on the, the podcast. 
Finally, we get to have the conversation. All this time, I just planned this episode so that we can finally talk about this subject. And you're, on, and you're talking about this subject sounding like ass right now because you're walking around peeling fucking potatoes. Sit the fuck down because you sound like you finally, we finally fixed the sound. We finally fixed it and you've fucked it. You fucked it again by going and peeling potatoes in your kitchen. We can see your kitchen. We can see it from here. Sit the fuck down. I've just finished peeling potatoes, actually. Well, so uh, sit me, down. Let me let me move them. I wait until you finish moving the potatoes. No, don't. We'll be here till fucking, we'll till fucking Christmas. As I was saying, finally, we get to talk about this subject on the podcast. This has been planned for a long time. That I would find an article and trick Liam into talking about this subject. I don't so have here to. Here we go. No, because if I just don't talk, then you've not got me involved. So, okay, I win. Go on, go on, so, in October 1972, members of the Old Christians amateur rugby team, along with their friends and families, were en route to Chile for a match when the pilot made a catastrophic error and started to descend while still in the Andes. The plane struck a mountain, shearing off both of its wings before crashing in the remote, forebodingly nicknamed the Valley of Tears. First off, like, pretty damn remarkable to survive that plane crash. That must have been like, that's like almost crashing, the, the plane crashing into the mountain and shearing off both wings is very cartoon-like. I imagine it literally hitting, going through two mountains, the wings just getting sheared off perfectly, and it just being just going straight down. Do you know what I mean? Like the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Car, it's like very, it sounds like cartoon-like. Do you know what I mean? Or like an action movie where like Indiana Jones is just gonna like roll out of the plane yeah, after he hits the funny stuff. Well, it's like he's he's moved, he's maneuvered the plane so that it lands and when it hits the hits the two mountains at the exact same time in the exact same position, the wings are gonna come off in the exact same place and he's gonna be able to maneuver it down. Yeah, as the wings come off and the, the, the rest of the players go down, the main character turns around to the officers and goes, Put your tray tables up. Yeah. <laughs> or put brace yourself. Up. Or put on the fast and seatbelt sign. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, 80s action movies never change. Never, never, they'll never change. Oh. Right. Good so times. Before you, he's gonna, he, we've just been laughing and now he's going to say. Yep, 12, go. people were, 12 people were killed in the initial crash, leaving 33 survivors. 33 survivors, though, that's still like for plane crashes. Like, that's that's a considerable considering it's pla a, a plane crashed into an area called the Valley of Tears. I can only imagine that it's just very high mountains and it's very, very, very steep drop. Yeah, the official search was called off eight days, uh, called off after eight days because uh, both because conditions in the mountains were considered near unsurvivable and the white fuselage of the aircraft. Was practically invisible in the snow. Bad. So yeah, snowy, snowy, snowy Andes mountains. Thirty-three was, survivors. Yeah, there was barely any food, and the group eventually made the wretched decision to eat the bodies of the deceased. Survivor Robert Canessa, Roberto Canessa clarified that while cannibalism is when you kill someone for the express purpose of consuming them. What he and the others did is known as I don't know how to say that word. Anthropophagy. 
Yeah, Mapofagi, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, he's not he's kind of not wrong. He's not no, he, he's he's not wrong. That they're is... basically kill it, they're basically eating roadkill at the moment. Oh, not the roadkill. Yeah, <laughs> plain kill. <laughs> plain kill. Yeah, I don't know Mount, the rules on that one. Mount kill, it's Mount, it's Mount, well, they didn't kill him. They didn't kill him. No. So. Um, I mean, well, I mean, it is look. the anthro anthro pop is anthro pop popagi, popagi, whatever it is, it is um, the is the eating of human flesh by human beings, but it says that cannibalism is also the same thing, but I think with cannibalism, there's that. The obvious you kill to consume. Okay, yeah, and that is wrong. I that, well, the kill, kill, killing for the sake of killing is is wrong too. Yeah, yes, and bitches, bitches, uh, bitches do be testing you, but you, you can't <laughs> unalive them. That's no. And stuff. killing someone, and killing someone for the express purpose of eating them is wrong as well. But yes. anthropophagy in this situation, it was, it was, it was literally. It's or that or die. Really. Well, yeah, because yeah. if you're in a snowy mountain, I can't imagine there's there's no trees die. or bushes or anything growing. I mean, I'm animals. pretty sure other animals do it. Like I know in like for animals, I'm pretty sure I've seen videos or I'll say a lot of like documentaries and stuff where you see other animals eating the same animal. I'm sure yeah. I've seen it before. Like, yeah, it's normal for animals so i mean it's that or die and if they have rugby players they're big lads they're going to be big geezers you know what i mean yeah so this was in october 1972 yeah. so what happens six others forward. died over the coming weeks and eight more perished during an avalanche on october 29th in december fucking hell so they lost another no, no, no. Wait, october 29th so in December was the next in week. December, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they lost another, talking. It put me off. <laughs> don't blame me. So they lost another 14 people. Yep. Yeah. In the next couple of weeks. 14 yeah. more bodies to eat. Nice. Well, uh, no, eight more died in an avalanche. You gotta then try and find the bodies because then bodies were probably never found. Yeah. So really the bodies are probably like still the they're probably the still well. I say the bodies are still there. You'll probably find the bodies might still be there because if they were frozen, they just had to let it go. That's, that's good. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Can't make a There's... Disney reference in a frozen death. This um, this situation, <laughs> this situation is um, immortalized in the movie Alive. Yeah. Uh, if um, I only know it from like. I only know from a Simpsons joke where uh, Marge has got the fear of flying. So Homer gets her like loads of movies to like uh, make her feel better about flying. And one of them is her life. <laughs> where she, she's watching the movie and it's at the end. And so finally we're all alive. And it's just like one guy eats. He's just going, yeah, we sure are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I've always had a kind of like a kind of funny notion of this whole story because of that. But um, it is a very tragic terrible situation to cover comes to that uh that decision that you're gonna have to eat human flesh in order to survive yeah so what happened in december then Mitch? Yeah, what happened in december 
Canessa and Nando Parado set out to help uh, find help, and miraculously, they encountered three Chileans four days later. A wow. third man, Antonio Vizintin, returned to the returned to camp midway through their search. By December 23rd, all 16 survivors were rescued by after being stranded for more than two months. That's mad. So, like, the avalanche happens. They went through all November. <laughs> and then without, in December, dying, without someone dying without, as well. Without someone dying, yeah. They had plenty of food, though. Yeah, they did. And in December, the two of them finally, finally went, okay, fuck this. Let's go find, let's try and find help. Yeah, and uh, and then yeah, miraculously they did, and then yeah, by like after was it October twenty ninth? So that was nearly two months after the avalanche. Uh, six so, sixteen million people survived, considering yeah. the time frame of when they were stranded. The fact that they found someone within four days is quite impressive, considering mm. the time frame they were there. Yeah. Mm. Makes you wonder, should they have gone to find someone sooner? Possibly, but then, <laughs> where, where, where were they? they? Where were they? they, they must have to, yeah, they must have fought a while before the avalanche happened as well. I don't know. But then you got, like, I mean, imagine in that kind of situation where there's so many survivors, like, you're going to have a, uh, like a hierarchy of a, a person taking a leadership role. Yeah, there may have been like a situation where the person was just saying, No, we'll let's stick together, let's not have anyone leave. And then, you know, maybe people did leave and they, did, they didn't come back. And you know, it says six people died, but they didn't say how. So that could have been one of the ways that someone was like, I'm going to go try and find help, and then just never came back. Mm. Maybe they got freed. They just think they died. Maybe they well, maybe, to maybe, well, maybe they made it back and didn't tell anyone. Oh, yeah. oh God, that would be yeah. I, <laughs> I told you, bitch, we should have gone. And you know what? Fuck the lawyer. You know what? Just over that hedge, there's a result. <laughs> <laughs> we are sipping pina coladas. I'm going skiing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it's good that uh, 16 survived. Have but... you noticed a lot of these are plane crashes? Well... Surviving that is relatively impressive, I will say. Apart yeah. from the high, uh, apart from the rock climber, or high. There's a reason. Yeah. There's a reason. There's a reason why in the safety kind of instructions on planes, they tell you to put go down the brace position if you're going to land on or on the land. It's so that obviously you protect your mouth so that they can identify your body and dental records. And if you have to I make, thought that, I thought that was so you died instantly. Maybe that as well. Maybe if you so jump, you, break... you die before you hit the floor. <laughs> well, that's no, not that's my last. That's, that's, that's an not... <laughs> Same thing, isn't it? <laughs> that's not my. Uh, that's not my first. Not the last four that goes from my mind. Oh shit! Bear jump. No, better See about off. <laughs> this one. This one. Do, do, doing this one for the fans. Crowd want to see this one. Let's go. Yeah, and then if you have to land on water, as I say, emergency land on water, then same kind of thing. You have jump. to uh, protect the mouth. Yeah. So what's the end of the story then? That, what, did anything happen afterwards? Uh, the public was scandalised by the act. By the act. <laughs> by they the were scandalised by the act. <laughs> but the survivors successfully defended themselves by pointing to both their, their desperate need and their devout Christian faith in which Jesus gave his disciples bread and wine 
and that he stated were his body and his blood. Apparently. Allegedly. Well, well, Jesus, well, Jesus did did say that. There was allegedly, 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 allegedly. Well, sorry, sorry, sorry. Jesus. In which Jesus gave his blood. Uh, Jesus. Alleg- alleged, allegedly. Jesus. Allegedly. Okay. Several okay. of them went on to write memoirs in, of their ordeal, including Canessa, who was only was was a nineteen-year-old medical student at the time. He is now one of Uruguay's best-known pediatric cardiologists. Wow. Oh, it's a good thing he survived it. With, 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 yeah. with a taste for human flesh. <laughs> I want to say, that, I know... All, eating all that brain will do it for you. <laughs> it's brain food. Yeah. <laughs> um, 1972, I know it's like a good 50 years ago, but, you know, fuck the public. Oh, don't say that. So, oh, don't say that. Well, fuck the public? No, the other bit, 50 years ago. Well, yeah. Well, I wasn't alive in the seventies. No, yeah, neither was I. Alive. But still, it's just. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was further away than fifty. <laughs> well, you thought it was closer, you mean? Yeah, I didn't think I was so, that. So, yeah, fuck the public because, like, who, who, after hearing that story, goes, "You ain't human. You ain't human. You ain't humans to you survive. You, yeah, yeah. you're barbaric." You died. You should have died on that yeah. mountain. How dare you survive? <laughs> Go and die. Go back in that mountain and die right yeah. now. Exactly. I mean, in that is if in that situation, that's the only acceptable situation there that's, is to have that's human, human meat. That's crazy. Well, I'm sorry there was no vegetation for me to eat. Yeah. Well, I want to know. Is, well, how did, I want to know. Well, how did they? How did they adapt afterwards? Because. If that's all they were eating, it must have. For it. Well, no, it's more they must have messed with their body. They would have just ate raw meat a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. If I was like a kind of a doctor or some kind of like scientist or research person, you'd want to study them people to see what the effects <laughs> of eating human stuff. A research person. Yeah, research people. <laughs> people that do the research. What do you do for a living? I am a researcher. I'm a researcher. Yeah. A researcher. I'm a research yeah. person. What's the difference between that and a researcher? I'm a person. <laughs> I'm a person. I research people. People eating people. Yeah, like you study their shit and stuff. Right? Uh, research. Yeah. <laughs> Nutritionist. Yeah. Do you reckon they would have had any condiments with them? I wouldn't have. I like it. I know you don't. <laughs> I mean, if they did have food, you'd be a bit pissed if they you did have other food. I mean, oh, if, you, if they, you'd be you'd be pissed full stop. But just say, oh, we got we ain't got no food. All we got is just loads and loads of bottles of ketchup. I'm not. Oh, I'm fed up with the choice. I'm not eating Alan again. <laughs> <laughs> We had it Tuesday. I'm fed up of it. How would you want Adam? Deep fried, boiled? <laughs> oh, boiled. Oh, boiled. Been, Adam, I mean, like, it probably would have been raw. Boiled meat smells the, snow. the rest of the time. No, make a fire. Yeah. They had a camp, ah. so they definitely had a fire. Well, well, I I, for it, though. Yeah, I mean, if. 
not if it's like snowed and shit, not all the trees are going to be caked in snow. They will have dried out parts. Think about it. It's the Andes. Hmm. Why does it feel like an Only Falls and Horses reference? <laughs> the Andes. Yeah, it does. Sounds like me. hot fuzz. Sounds like hot fuzz. It does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like, sound like something Major would say from fucking <laughs> 40 Towers. Go in, Dave. Another plane crash. That's a plane crashes. <laughs> Bahia Bakari is another lone survivor of an airplane crash. She's traveling with her mother as well to visit family when their flight, Yemenia Flight 626, crashed, landed into the Indian Ocean, killing everyone on board but her. Man, do you imagine the survivors? She, see, look, she jumped before it hit the water. Could you imagine all the... Uh... The survivor's guilt that these people must have had. Well, being the only, oh, well, being the lone survivor. Being the lone survivor and stuff. It won't, won't be mentally good for you, would it? Really? Oh, no, fuck you up. It would fuck you up big time. So, Bakari was 13 years old at the time of the 2009 accident. Oh. She held on to debris, debris from the wreck for over nine hours unable to see and facing choppy water doing his best to tear her away. When she was discovered by a rescue party, she was too exhausted to swim to their boat, so a sailor named Libuna Selamani Astrafi swam out to meet her. Wow. Yeah. I mean, nine, I mean, nine hours. It's a long time. Clinging on, clinging in water, on in freezing cold water like that. Yeah, choppy water trying to pull away from it and Poseidon, it Poseidon trying to claim his prize. Mm -hmm. So she was treated in a French hospital for a broken collarbone, hypothermia, and bruising. Wow, out of yeah. that for a plane crash, that's all she walked away with. Yeah, no, she did hit the water there. Yeah, but do you know how hard you need and to hit the jumped. water? Yeah, but if you hit the water at a certain speed, it will kill you. Yeah, so no. oh, yeah. Hitting water is about the same as hitting concrete. It's basically height. if you hit yeah if at a certain height and a certain speed, if you hit a wall, you might as well hit concrete. So Bakari released a memoir entitled Suffolk French. Moi bo moi boha la miracule. I think it's nice. the miracle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in it, she wrote that at first she thought she'd fallen through the plane's window after pressing her forehead against it to look outside. Don't look out the window on the plane, kids. Yeah. And Steven Spielberg reportedly wanted to adapt the book, but Bakari turned him down because it would be too terrifying. Nobody could act out the pain I felt in those moments. Fair so play. Good on her. Fair play. Good on, good, good on her for not cashing in, I suppose. Would have made mad, mad stacks if Spielberg yeah. would have done that I too. I mean, the offer's probably still there, though. Nah, I don't, I, don't touch it. I don't think you'd touch it now. If she said no the first time, it, it, we wouldn't go back. Oh, I reckon someone there, else would probably. It's there for in, James though. Cameron to take it. Let James Gunn do James it. James Cameron. James Gunn will do it. They put um, Suicide Squad in it. As long as Michael Bay don't touch it. Just loads of those explosions every now. Now, so. now you said Michael. Was it Michael Bay that did the Transformers films? Yeah. Yes. I now got the song that's the end of Transformers stuck in my head. The Lincoln Park one? Yeah. Yeah. New Divide? That's the one. New Divide or uh, what? I don't know. Where was in the first one? 
The end of the first well one. Well, well done. done. In my head. I'm not. I'm. I know who the songs. I don't know the names. You know this. Well, uh, I've got do... one. I've got one here that doesn't have a plane. Perfect. We're off for the plane ones. We're off for plane ones for now. So, a gentleman by the name of Anatoly Burgoski stuck his head inside the Soviet Union's largest particle accelerator to try and become the Flash and got struck by a proton beam. His doctors prepared to, and I quote, observe him, observe his death, but he didn't die. Stuck his head in a proton. <laughs> Why? In, in a particle accelerator. What's going on in here, clonk? You're dead. <laughs> yeah. Ow. Ow. <laughs> Ow. He, he popped his head out and they looked at him and went, you gone die, boy. <laughs> so the 36-year-old was a research person at the Institute of High Energy, of high energy Physics. Well, uh, that, well physics. Mm. That's what being a research person does to you. Yeah, and he put his head between a high, between a proton beam and its intended, intended destination while attempting to fix a piece of faulty equipment. So he was trying to fix something, and then the beam went straight for his head. And it says, when the beam passed through his skull, he didn't feel any pain, but he did witness a flash brighter than a thousand suns. I would have turned around and said to him, how do you know that's, what a thousand suns looks like? That's another Linkin Park album. That's the suns. <laughs> uh, well, proton therapy is also used to tr treat cancer. Um, it utilizes the beams with 250 million electron volts of energy. The beam that hit him had more than 300 times that. So more than 300 times 250 million. Yep. So that's nearly a what's that? Nearly a billion? No, no, I read that wrong. I said I read that as three. Dumb cunt. Uh, quick maths: two hundred and fifty times three hundred. That's seventy-five thousand. Would that be how many trillion. billion? Would that be trillion? No, it'd be Probably. two. It'd be two zeros added on to a uh, hundred million. So it'd be ten billion. Well, 250 times 300 is 75,000. If that's by billion, by, by millions, that's got to be that's got to be trillion. That's mental. Either way, it's an insurmountable amount of energy that would fucking finish you off. That kills cancer cells. That would kill this whole cell in his body. Him. Fatality. 75, yeah, 75 billion. Fucking hell. Um... Everyone figured he was done for, but somehow, despite the severe, wow, severe swelling and eventual paralysis of the left side of his face, he survived. The main side effect of his brush with death was epilepsy, which can be blamed on the brain tissue scarring. As of 97, he had, had, he had suffered six grand mal seizures and occasional petite mal ones. The paralyzed side of his face hasn't aged, but he has suffered from uh, he has suffered from neither cancer nor radiation sickness. So he basically paralyzed the left side of his face. He L'd cancer. He he handed a cancer an L. He was he must that that beam in one full shot must have given him and then cured cancer. 
It was that damn powerful because that's a lot of energy. That will fuck you up. So what are you trying to say? He is now Deadpool. No, because he can't. He can't regenerate. He might look and the left left side of his face hasn't aged, so he probably looks young as fuck. Taking a passport fire must be a nightmare. <laughs> After his accident, he continued his career in science, where he is still alive today. True to form, he saw his accident as an opportunity for a scientific discovery, explaining this, in effect, an unintended test of proton welfare. I'm being tested. The human capacity for survival is being tested. Proton warfare, not welfare. No, warfare. <laughs> I was said warfare. I was said welfare. I, I, I don't have good eyes. I've had a trouble <laughs> talking and reading today, to be honest. Maybe I need a proton beam to the fucking back of the head. It might help me out. Either way, that's 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 fucked up. That's mad. I wonder if he went to CERN's Hadron Collider. What? So just, 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 I just want to look, sir. You can't go. I just want to look. I'm not going to. I'm not going to put my head in it. I promise. I'm not going to put my head in it. You said you wasn't going to put your head in it. Then what did you do? You put your head in it. G I Jose. Yes, there we go. Family guy. Right, my one. Mad, now. mad, big mad. That is the big mad. Another one that's not a plane crash. Two for two. Let's go. Dick Williams huh. was a 21-year-old tennis star with a promising athletic career in front of him when he decided to move to the United States from Switzerland in order to attend Harvard. So he booked a ticket on the Titanic. Uh... Do I need what to say a... more? What a penis. Well, well, he's everyone, uh, apart from Liam, I think everyone else knows what the ti- what happened in the Titanic. I know what happened. <laughs> I know what happens. Just because I've never James, seen it. But James Cameron showed us what happens. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. bitch let him die because there was plenty of room on that fucking door. <laughs> door. Just, just move, woman. Well, shit. Right, so. Williams was traveling with his father, Charles, and they remained on board the sinking ship until near the very end, helping passengers into lifeboats. Tragically, as they went as they went to board a lifeboat themselves, Charles was killed by a falling funnel. Williams ended up in the freezing sea and managed to climb into a collapsible, a collapsible fl- lifeboat, which had not been assembled. Why didn't Leonardo DiCaprio do that? Oh, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Too busy trying to get laid. Um, he was submerged in water up to his waist. And when he re- when the rescue ship Cop- Copper. Harfia, Harfia. arrived out, only 11 out of the 30 passengers on b- aboard the half-sunken lifeboat were still alive. Right. So there was just dead bodies in that boat. That's fucked up. That's food for thought. No, I mean, no, it's not. I mean, it says that they were helping passengers into lifeboats up to the very end. I mean, you know, you would say that, wouldn't you, if you survived? What were you doing up to the end? Why did you come up earlier? I oh, you know, I was, I was helping other people onto lifeboats. What he was actually doing was punching children and pushing women. <laughs> Fuck, I'm away. Get away. Put on the women's clothing kind of thing. Yes, I'm a lady. I do lady things. <laughs> like wear dresses and. Shit. Flowers and shit. 
Naturally, Williams was suffering from severe frostbite on his legs, but when the doctor on board the Carpathia told him they would need they needed to be amputated, Williams replied, "I refuse to give you permission. I am going to need these." What a Karen! <laughs> he then walked up and down the deck of the rescue ship to restore circulation, presumably while the while that doctor watched menacingly. Watch menacingly with a saw, just like yeah, he's gonna fall over soon. I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him with it. He's just standing. Other people. I'm not other people to look after. He wasn't just just following around this guy. He's just standing there menacingly. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair though, trying to walk on two legs that have got frostbite—that's some fucking balls, mate. Because that's gonna hurt. Well, 12 weeks later, Williams was competing again. Wow. He went on to graduate from Harvard, serve in the US Army during World War One, for which he received the Croix de Guerre. Walk, yeah, cross the, it's in French, it means war cross. Yeah. And claimed victory at Wimbledon in 1924 Olympics and multiple US nationals. Right, he won a... And that, and that um, doctor is still watching him menacingly. Menis- yeah, <laughs> like title. It's like, it's, it's going to fall over soon. So you're telling me, you're, you're telling me a man who almost lost both his legs and his life on the Titanic won Wimbledon before Tim Henman. That's ridiculous. He That's also served in World War One as well. And I don't think yeah. Tim Henman did that either. What a pussy. <laughs> Jim Henman is a pussy. And he has a hill named after him. Yeah, because once when you when you go do it, everything afterwards is fucking downhill. What a gimp. I don't like him. He was shit as well. And then for some reason everyone goes on about oh Andy Murray, he's Scottish, mate. It don't count. People forget that he supported fucking every team that England were playing against in the World Cup. And when Wimbledon comes round, everyone wants to suck his dick from the back. Uh, if, you're, if, if, you, if you're British. I'm not. I'm English. There you go. There you go. That okay. was a nice wholesome story, though. I mean, yeah. I mean, I didn't... I, I'd rather I have saw think, that kind of story in Titanic. I don't yeah. think it's wholesome, Mitch. I think that's the wrong word. It's two legs, still. It, it, yeah, I well, mean, he, he, he survived uh, the Titanic. He refused to have his legs amputated and walked up and down the ship. While the, just like while the, fact the, doc- that... while the doctor was watching menacingly. <laughs> I just love how it's menacingly. Just literally, was just watching for a crack in the door, just stroking <laughs> a bone sore. Soon, yeah. Yeah. he carried on competing in in tennis he... while the while the doctor was sitting in the crowd. Soon. <laughs> He was in the he was in World War One, while the doctor yeah. was still watching him, hoping yeah. he was going to get shot in the leg. So yeah, <laughs> and then he went on to win uh, win at Wimbledon in the Olympics against yeah. the doc- and he played against the doctor. <laughs> he played against the doctor, the witch doctor. <laughs> yeah, what a geezer, what a lad. Yeah. Can we have this as a the next Titan- Titanic two? Yeah, Titanic 2, Electric Boogaloo. I knew that yeah. was coming. So she was like, <laughs> Titanic 2, I still have two legs. Yeah. Titanic 2 and the curse of the of the menacing doctor. <laughs> <sighs> so, next one. 
2014, Peter Seibold somehow survived the disintegration of the Virgin Galactic Spaceship 2 and a subsequent fall of more than 50,000 feet. His co-pilot, Michael Orsbury, perished in the accident. So this is some kind of like spaceship. Yeah. Spaceship too. I think is I it, remember is it this. Is still a plane crash? Is it still classed as a plane crash? It's a space, spaceship crash. It's an aircraft. Spacecraft. I think it's a um, spacecraft. It's, um, it's that dumb bitch, Richard Branson, isn't it? Virgin, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah he's a virgin, yeah. Fucking virgin. I can't say too much. Virgin provide my uh, my Wi-Fi. Suddenly, Liam's just going to cut off. Yeah, there's a, there's a gun slightly. It's just out of frame. There's a gun being pointed towards my head. So, for comparison, a commercial flight's cruising altitude is usually somewhere in the ballpark of 35,000 feet. So, and this one's obviously 50,000, so it's at the, uh, the next stage up, I suppose, in the Earth's atmosphere. Cybold describes hearing a loud noise and then paper fluttering in the wind as the cabin fell apart around him. That must have been pretty damn terrifying. That must have been <laughs> so, that, that paper fluttering in the wind was his arsehole. As soon as he realized <laughs> what was going, it was just arsehole was going. Just looking around at this, I just wanted to sit to the sky and just went, Branson! <laughs> just imagine it's one of those things where you look around and all of a sudden you just drop. So... Then he started falling, and he faded in and out of consciousness as he plummeted towards the desert below. His recollection, his recollection of the f- most of the fall was spotty. Well, he, he does remember falling in and out of consciousness. So Where's the G? Just, there's got to be the G's as he was going down. The, the, the force must have knocked him out. He does remember attempting to fix his oxygen supply and preparing his, his parachute, which deployed at some point between ten and twenty thousand feet. That's quite it's low. Awesome. Isn't that quite low? Um, what do they say you're supposed think, to pull the parachute at? I, I might be horrifically wrong. Because I know they say that you obviously you do it too low to the ground, you're just going to fucking bug in a windscreen, mate. You're gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is a, there is obviously a point. Yeah. But I feel like they open it early, obviously, in case it fails, so they got enough time to pull the back up as well. Yeah. Mm. So some... It depends on the skydiver, I suppose, how experienced they are. Yeah. Um, so the subsequent slower rate of descent gave Cybold more time to grasp, get a grasp on his surroundings, and he was conscious and aware uh, and aware he was injured by the time he landed in a bush. Oh, he loved the bush. Imagine that, though. You wake up like, right, what the fuck? <laughs> once you get, once you know that you're in control, you, I would literally just be like, what the fuck just happened? Seibold's injuries included a broken arm, a fractured collarbone, scratched corneas, and multiple bruises and scratches. His survival was considered miraculous. Scratched corneas. That's eyes, eyes, isn't it? Yeah, that's going to hurt. That must have been like the air and the wind hitting him in the face. Well, if he was to free fall for, by the looks of it, 15,000 feet, which wouldn't have been very long, he would have dropped and he would have been picking up some speed. Like, depending on how fast that plate or that uh, that ship was, that spaceship was going, gonna be quick, and then for him to just drop out, I'm assuming that he was in his was he in his seat or did he just fall? Because if, uh, if he was just fixing his uh, oxygen mask, I'm pretty sure their parachutes are on their seats, ain't they? 
So he must yeah. have been. He must have been. I think it was him. He he must, the cabin must, fell apart around him. So yeah, he he fell. So he would have been. He wouldn't have just been like you know when you see if someone jumps out of a plane, they're sort of belly, uh, stomach down, arms and legs up. He must have just been fucking going all over. If he's got yeah, scratched right. corneas, there's no way he was just going down face. He was like cartwheeling. He was hurling down and he was going at pace and probably landing in the bush. Probably face first. Probably wouldn't help either. That's yeah, mad. True. So the National Transportation Safety Board, NTSB, concluded that the breakup of the spacecraft was caused by a combination of pilot error and the pair being pressured to carry out commands in a matter of seconds while rocketing into space. I mean, I... If, so what like, they're saying, he, it was his fault. Yeah, they're blaming his ass, your fault. <laughs> and we have also them being, like, they're higher ups telling them to kind of get a move on, you know? And that's why you should never rush, like, a flight. I hate... Sometimes when like I've done I've done flights and stuff like that where like the plane you see the plane land and you know you're about to get on it in about an hour and stuff like that. No man, that plane needs some time to be checked over. Please do all the safety checks that you need to do. Yeah, I, don't sure that I, don't, I don't give a fuck. I don't care how long it takes. Make sure that thing's <gasps> safe to fly. <laughs> yeah, I mean don't don't rush stuff like that. And I'm surprised they weren't the same for that. Yeah, spacecraft. I'd, 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 I'd be like, yeah. Have you, double, have you double checked it? Yeah, triple check it. Yeah, do it again. <laughs> check it again. Yeah. We one more? Yeah, one more. Why not? Round it out, number 10. Yeah. So, short of death itself, if it was something bad that could happen to World War II soldier, it happened to Louis Zamperini. <clears throat> His plane crashed into Pacific. He survived on nearly nothing for 47 days in a life raft, and he was taken as a prisoner of war immediately afterward. So his so, nickname is Lucky. So I'm guessing there's be a situation where he's like, he's just survived for all those days, and then he gets, he sees, I'm, I'm saved! And then suddenly they're pointing guns at him. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> yeah! Oh. He's like, yes, I'm safe. Click, 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 click. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're at war. God damn it. So apparently he is a, uh, you can, his story has been published by uh, Laura Hildenbrand's biography, Unbroken, a World War II story of survival, resilience, and redemption. Or by its 2014 movie adaptation. Called? Uh, it doesn't unbroken. say. I'm guessing Unbroken. Yeah, here's the abbreviated version of why Unbroken, yeah, it's probably what it is. Oh, I might have to look at that. It's quite interesting. Um, before he was a soldier, he was an Olympian. He represented the, the U.S. in the 36 games. Um, the Nazi games, yeah. Um, after In 1940, after graduating... I can't speak. Graduating from the University of uh, Southern California, he enlisted. Three years later, he crashed his plane into the sea. Doesn't really sound like he meant to do it. Um, Zamperini, along with fellow crash survivors, Russell Phillips and Francis McNamara, Fall off hunger, thirst, heat, storms, and sharks while trying to avoid being shot by Japanese planes. McNamara per perished after 33 days, but Zamperini and Philip survived and got captured by Japanese forces two weeks later. I think I might know this film. Is this the is this the film where he's made to hold the beams above his head by the Japanese? No, there's a know. there's a film 
where Japanese prisoners of war, well, no. Is that the people right term? Were, or would it be prisoners of war by Japan? Yeah. Yeah. So would he have been an American POW? Yeah. yeah. So okay, yeah. So I'm trying, I'm trying to get the terminology right. So as an American POW, um, they were made to hold these um like i don't know metal or like really solid oak wooden beams above their head no food no drink no nothing and if the beam was dropped your ass was dead on the spot boom finished there's a scene where there is someone who holds the beam for fucking ages and i think it might be about him i don't know because i think the guy was like an olympian or something so I don't know. Might be. You carry on with the story. You might tell yeah. it. All right. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> he remained a prisoner to the end of the war, and after the fact, reflected that while the beatings and physical punishment were bearable to him, in part due to his athletic training, it was much more difficult to withstand the attempt to destroy your dignity. Ooh. What do I remember that? Laughing at his pain. Laughing at his penis. <laughs> not for not for South Park. <laughs> oh, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. Um, after returning home, he struggled with alcoholism, um, but straightened out after hearing Billy Graham preach. What superstar Billy Graham? Well, I hope <laughs> man so. of the hour, man of the power, too sweet to be sour. I really hope it was Billy uh, superstar Billy Graham. Really does. Um, he later returned to Japan to enact his revenge. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Multiple times and helped carry. It. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry because he died. Uh, he died. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> he returned to Japan multiple times and he helped carry the Olympic torch for the 1998 Nagano Games and he died at the age of 97 in 2014. He had a good innings then. I think yeah. he had a very good innings considering the Japanese could have ended his life. At any fucking moment, but that is fucking hard as nails. That is nice them to let him carry the torch for the Winter Olympics. He probably didn't want anything to do with the warmth. (laughs) I'm not going there in the summer. (sighs) Um, I'm just looking at Unbroken now. Uh, yeah, it's about him. Yeah, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm up here, mate. I am thinking, dancing. It's uh. Louis Zamperini, a US Olympic track record holder, pulls himself for a plane crash in the Second World War, only to be left at the mercy of nature and eventually caged up as a prisoner of war. Yeah, it's it's like wooden beams, um, and like, you have to pretty much hold. Oh, there's a picture of him there. Oh, Angelina, Angelina, Jolie, Angelina yeah. Jolie. It's actually supposed to be a very good film. It's got seven point two out of ten oh, on IMDb. Yeah, there you go. I might, have to, I might have to watch it. You know, I, honestly, because you know, I've seen. Yeah, apparently it's quite hard to watch. Well, oh yeah, it, no and, shit. <laughs> and and that bitch, she pulled it out at Christmas. <laughs> well, yeah, Oscar Oscar time, isn't it? December yeah, 2015. Um, oh, she brought it out in 2014. Yeah, I have to check that out. I mean, there's not a lot of movies that we've come up in this this 127 hours to check that out. I'm alive. sorry, but they did a sequel. They did. Half to uh, redemption. That's that's rude, man. <laughs> So I'm guessing what um, his time between uh, ending being a POW to yeah. going back to, re- uh, to um, retaliate. Really, really yeah. 
Yeah. Really sad, sad, sadly, it is uh, Billy Graham is not who we think it is. Is a oh. um, is a Southern <laughs> Baptist minister. So you could um, you could probably imagine the type of preaching that would come out of his mouth. Yeah, I'll tell yeah. You this, uh, I was born in a big community. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was born in a big community. Itty bitty titty committee. That's mad. I'd say out of all the ten, that guy's the toughest. I'm sorry, that guy. That guy's the toughest. I don't know. Titanic I, guy I must come Titanic close. Guy. Yeah. Oh no, no. All right, it, it whooped Titanic guy's ass. It kicked his ass. Could, he wouldn't get could up he and walk up and down the ship and piss the medic off. No, could he cut off his own arm with a blunt knife. Could he regain he's... circulation in his both of his legs? Well, he did. He survived that. Well, I'm <laughs> Stalking him. Oh no, he just had to eat. no, that's fine. He just had Japanese soldiers willing to kill him at the drop of a fire. Ah. He dropped it like ah, 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 ah. But the but the um by the sounds of it, the Titanic guy was never a POW. Hmm. Yeah. So you're trying he to say him. that he's less he, of a man because he got captured. He made him what he's more successful at war. Yeah, he's more successful <laughs> at war. Oh well, just because he won Wimbledon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, did Tim Henman win it? No, he didn't. <laughs> I wish he'd have got well, captured. Guy, yeah, I wish he'd have got captured by the Japanese. This guy, this guy says that he uh, he didn't find the torture too bad. The physical punishments and stuff like that. Yeah, due to his, uh, he was more. He was, he was more upset when they kept pantsing him while he was holding the <laughs> thing laughing and laughing, laughing his penis. That's where your mind went to. That, and they walked. Well, they walked behind him when he was holding the bar and was going tickle, tickle, tickle. Well, they got a line up four urinals and they did three, like two at the end. And there's one there, there's just one spot, and they told him, Yeah, you have to go piss there. Just that, they have to piss and it's got a great big flashing guys. sign above it saying, I have a tiny penis. <laughs> yeah, destroy, how dare they destroy my dignity? I'm, I just, that's just mad. I don't know how, how the fuck you could endure something like that. It's mad. Uh, different generation, man. If, yeah. But we went. If we went to war and had to do the exact same stuff we do, we wouldn't be able to do it. We'd all be dead. I would have folded. Would. I would have folded falling out of war. Fuck it. Imagine getting into like a, a World War One trench, just like being like, "What's the Wi-Fi passcode?" <laughs> oh, I'm not that. Much, I'm not that much of a. No, fucking... I, wouldn't be, I, wouldn't be to, I wouldn't be doing that. I'd be like, I'd be like, right. Honestly, I need a shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's well, coming out. It's coming out at one end. I'd prefer That's... the opposite. So, <laughs> hello, welcome there to the Way What Podcast. <laughs> there we go. How are we all doing, That's guys? A... <laughs> That's a perfect way to end the podcast on shitting. Yes, That's the Way What Podcast does. Shitting in the trenches. Good way to describe this podcast. Shitting, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listening to the Way What Podcast is like shitting in a World War One trench. You never know what's going to happen. But it's going to end eventually. But it's going to end eventually. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, speaking of shit shows and ending eventually, we are now finished for today. You can find all previous episodes, bar the last two, on Apple Podcasts. On other podcasting platforms, you can find us on YouTube, at Wait What podcast on twitter at wait what pod trio and on tiktok at the wait what podcast thanks a lot for listening guys check out our chris tournament last week as well 
Keep on yes.